Hi, I'm Dan Sanguinetti. And I'm Russell Lee. And this is Film Rhapsody. episode of Film Rhapsody. Russell and I sit down and speak with writer-director, actor and all-round top bloke Patrick J. Gallagher. When it comes to longevity in the Canberra film industry, no one comes close to matching the heights of the one Patrick J. Gallagher, or just Pat as we lovingly call him. With years of experience both in front and behind the camera, an extended tour at the Parliamentary Media Department, not to mention a storied career as a singing and dancing actor on the theatre stage, Pat, as humble as a man can be, has become a local legend. Pat wrote and directed our first foray into zombie apocalypses with the feature film Theatre of the Dead, but his standing in the Canberra film industry can be defined by his multiple showings in the top 12 of the annual Lights Canberra Action Filmmaking Festival. His films displayed his love and interest in all things nerdy and frequently explored stories of adventure and mystery. Russell and I sat down with Pat recently to talk about his years of experience from the trenches of the movie Battlefield to the heights of Australia's political mountain. Welcome back to Film Rhapsody, Pat. Uh, the last time you were here in the studio, you helped us to provide a voice for the narrator in our season one finale episode of Alice. I certainly did. Seems like just moments ago. It really, really does, yeah. One of the reasons why I asked uh, you to be part of that was because uh, you've got this amazing voice that um, I know is connected to your um, long career as an onstage actor and your connection with the theatre. And so I really want to explore a little bit about your relationship with theatre, um, not only as an actor, but I guess, I guess there are some signposting directions to a particular little zombie film that happened once upon a time. So, yeah, I mean, what got you into theatre in the first place? It was just something I was always interested in back in Wagga, where I'm from. I was unemployed for a while. Um, I'd done my media training course uh, and was still looking for a job. So I decided to audition for a, a local theatre show, got in, had a really great time doing it and just took off from there. Once I moved to Canberra, the theatre scene here is absolutely amazing mm. and lots of opportunities. So I started up again once I moved over here and just haven't stopped. What was the first show that you did in Canberra? In Canberra, it was Armadeus with Paper Moon Productions. Right. And who did you play? I played Salieri's valet. I think I had about two lines. <laughs> but it was um, a case Jeffrey Borney played um, Salieri. Yeah. Uh, who is actually the main character um, in front of Armadeus himself. And he's just an amazing local actor, so it was a great experience. The rest of the cast was really good. So so that was a good um, stepping point for, for Canberra Theatre for me. Could you estimate how many stage productions you've done? Uh, I actually counted up just recently because yeah. I knew I was getting close to the 50 mark. Yeah. And I have done 51. I'm rehearsing for the 52nd. Wow. Um, number 51 was the recent production of The Producers yeah. um, with Daryl Summers in the lead. Oh, so that, cool. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. How was Daryl? He was a lovely guy. He was very, like, friendly with the cast. He wasn't standoffish or anything like that. Didn't pull on airs. So, so he was really good to work with. Cool. Um, which, which is good. There, there, there seems to be that case in the past few years of doing pro-am productions where they will get in a professional known actor mm -hmm. uh, to play one of the main roles, mm -hmm. uh, which is a good experience for the people doing the show 
and it gives a bit more incentive for an audience to come along and see the show. How long did that go for? That was only a three-week run. I guess uh, if you're uh, an act just starting out um, in Canberra, what's the best way to sort of get yourself involved in these things? These days, um, just there's several Facebook groups that will post notices of auditions and um, occasional classes that some of the places hold. Just get on those groups, uh, look for the auditions and go and audition. Odds are you probably won't get in the first couple of times you try unless you, know, you, you happen to be really good. Um, but your face will be seen, the directors will get to know you. Uh, you'll, you'll also gain confidence just from the very act of auditioning. So that first audition is probably really going to suck, but the more you do it, the more confident you get, the more you'll know what to expect from the audition process um, and the better you'll come across and they'll start remembering your face. Cool. Most, most actors, I guess, would be aiming for TV and film. But would you advise them to start in theatre and get the and learn get their, their education there? It tends to be a bit of a... Uh, like, in Canberra especially, the group of theatre actors and the group of screen actors tends to be very uh, two very separate groups. Mm-hmm. And I actually haven't figured out why that is. It is a different... like. Acting for the stage is very different to acting from the screen. With act, stage acting, you have to put across an expression with your entire face, your entire body, because you're trying to project to somebody mm-hmm. you know, that's you know, 50 feet or so away. Whereas with screen acting, you know, the camera's right in your face, so you can be very, very subtle. So it tends to be a case of one group tends to have difficulty moving into the other group, depending on where their training's been. Do you think there's something we can do to try and bring them together? That's actually a good question. Um, possibly you know, if you do something along the lines of just workshops where you invite filmmakers and you invite the actors mm. and just do you know short five-page scripts or something like that where the actors get a chance to see what it's like to work on screen, the directors and um, local screenwriters get a chance to see the talent that's out there. And the other thing is local filmmakers to try and aim for stories that involve not just 20-somethings in their own age group. Yeah. That tends to be a case if you'll see a casting call for a local film and it's 23, 25, 18, 17, okay, yeah. Yeah. You are confident playing a Uh, (laughs) 20-year-old? Shave the the beard? Yeah, even with a dye job, the the grey still shows through, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, But but there there are some very strong older actors in town. Oh, yeah. um, and if somebody could come up with a, a, a good story for the, for those people, you, you would end up with a very good film, I have no doubt. So your day job is something that um, I didn't really understand for a long time. and we've okay, known a lot of people still don't. <laughs> we've like sort of known each other for quite a while and it, it was like I wasn't sure what, what you do, would do at Parliament House as part of um, is it the Department of Parliamentary Services. DPA, Department of Parliamentary Services Broadcasting Section. Right. And, and and so do you, like, get to fill in the Prime Minister? Is that, is that what it is? It Basically, um, we're the official... We do the official coverage of all things parliamentary. Yep. So if you see... The, the easiest one to explain is if you, if you see Question Time on the ABC, mm-hmm. that's actually us producing all that content. ABC simply takes the feed. For a, the longest time when I first started working there, we had to educate all the politicians and even um, secretariats and the rest of them, that we weren't the ABC. Mm. We are a separate entity. We're part of the parliamentary 
um, staff. So we're there, whoever's in government, and our job is to provide unbiased coverage of Parliament. So we have rules and guidelines we have to follow for the coverage, and that goes out to whoever needs it. We'll, do, we'll cover press conferences that the, um, the press gallery will take. Uh, we, go, we do committees, television coverage. We also travel interstate doing the audio recording that can, gets transcribed for Hansard for um, various committees. So it's, as I said, yeah, basically anything that need audio or visual-wise that needs to be recorded for Parliament, we do. And how long have you been doing that? 23 years. And a how long time. It's how many governments have you, that would that make it, that you've uh, been around? You're counting or, governments or be, or prime ministers. More, more, more to the point of asking how many coups. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, governments yeah. are prime ministers. I, well, I started when Howard was in, yep. so 96. Yep. Um, so that, yeah, so, I know what's that? It's, I think it's well, three governments and... God knows how many 30, prime 32 prime ministers. <laughs> Something Howard like that. Begot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've been around for a while, seen, you know, like I've been there for longer than most of the pollies that are there these days. Yeah. You so, have tenure? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I got yeah. my little, you know, 20 year service pin a couple of years back. But yeah, they do give those to you. Oh, cool. Cool. If someone was interested in that sort of realm of the media um, industry, how could they get involved in that? I mean, obviously, post-graduation from, you know, a, a screen studies or something might be helpful. Um, but what, what would you say is a great way for someone who's interested to, you know, get involved and try and get a, get some work? Our section, because we're a reasonably small area, there's not that many mm. you know, jobs going. And most of the people in our section come from other areas of media. Like I came from local regional news. Mm-hmm. Um, some a couple of the audio guys came from radio. Uh, several of the guys started at the up in the press gallery. Yeah. So we we tend to take our staff from people who've already had previous experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so in a way, if you um, you know you work your way through, you know your first job maybe might be sort of you know helping out on win news or something like yeah. that, and oh, yeah. eventually well, that was that was me. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. yeah. So you know, it's just it, it's something to work towards. It's not necessarily an entry entry level, um, straight no, out of uni no. position. We, yeah. yeah, I don't think we've ever taken anyone yeah. at that level. What's been some of the highlights of that job? I, I remember you got to film Obama at one stage. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's the thing. I, like, Is um, I didn't get to meet him unfortunately. But he walked within just a couple of... That's, that's the thing. You, you tend to... Doing the camera work, you tend to be in positions where you get quite close to the people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Obama just walked a few feet in front of me. Um, I didn't even have my own Secret Service guy, which I did have when I did um, Bush um, a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. They actually had a Secret Service guy standing next to me because the president was going to be so close. Obama, they didn't care. Was he nice? He seemed very nice. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one since it's not Australian politics. Um, uh, same, same deal with the Queen a few times now. Um, that's, that's the thing. I've been in the presence of a lot of you know, heads of state. Uh, we actually get, like, like our Prime Minister and all the ministers use our studio facilities if they have to record a piece of camera for something. Mm-hmm. So we get to chat to them. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then, then you're also on the ground for a lot of the... You know, sort of historical things like Apology Day, you know, when the, the same-sex marriage passed, and you're, you're actually there, you're seeing things that are happening. 
Um, sometimes it can get quite emotional. Yeah. Uh, there was you know, one about the, the stolen generation, um, which I sort of was, had a, I'm not crying, you're crying <laughs> mm. expression on my face as I was standing behind the camera. Mm. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it's, it, it, a lot of the time it's real boring, yeah. but you do get those highlights that you know, you're, you're in, in place for things that you know, most people will never get to see. You do get to travel a little because you do a lot that's, of... Yeah, the, that, that's, that, I'm not sure it's a highlight, but it is a perk of the job. Mm. Um, if we have to travel, we get to, like, the committees will come out, uh, we get notified of what committees are coming up, and then we get to put up our hands and say if we want to do them, and the boss will say, okay, you can do that one, you can do that one. Um, so you get to... I, I try and pick ones that are in locations where I haven't been before. Uh, a few weeks ago, I spent nearly a week in Tasmania because there are a couple of committees up in northern Tasmania in Devonport and Launceston. So I got to travel around there for mm. almost a week. Um, then, yeah, I've been to been out to... Um, out to, you know, mid-north mid, uh, Queensland sort of areas, the, the remote areas. Um, then you get places like, you know, uh, Albury and... Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the less exciting ones. <laughs> the scenic Dubbo. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, it, it does mean, like, I, I like choosing the, the driving ones. Yeah. Uh, because that means I get to actually take, take in the scenery and yeah. see more of the countryside than just the, the city I'm in. Whereas, say, you go down to Melbourne, yeah. you just fly in, get a taxi to the CBD where the committees usually are, do the committee, fly back. Yeah. The way I got to know you was, was through a... Um, just a, a little festival that sort of has kept us kept, kept us busy in at least in the early stages of my career as a yeah. filmmaker um, and and I believe at one point and I still think you hold the record um, as most entries selected for the top 12 of lights camera action I think that's a fairly safe bet yeah um, how many how many um, entry like films have you made that have made it into the top 12 of lights camber action i missed out on the first year because we were all still trying to work out the rules i didn't use all 10 items okay i know there was a 10 year stretch yeah where it was every year for 10 years and then i yeah i haven't i didn't do this past year and or yeah last year 2019 i didn't actually make the finals in 2018 what it, well that was the i had i had this big make you know, how, how you live with yourself <laughs> it's horrible um no what happened was like if, if you've seen any of the films i do for lca yeah uh they i tend to go big and epic and yeah. try and do the most i can with, with the storyline yeah. 2018 i had a big epic thing it was actually a sequel to the previous years yeah one and I only had the weekend, one weekend where oh. I could shoot extensively. Yeah. And that was the weekend that it just started bucketing down for the right. entire weekend. Yeah. And I'd gotten a couple of scenes shot, but all my exteriors still had to be done. Yeah. I wasn't going to be able to shoot anything during the week. Yeah. So I was just totally wiped out. Yeah. So I rallied during the actual production week on the final weekend, so the last three days. Um, I figured out something I could basically shoot in my living room, quickly got the cast together, got the script together, shot it really quick and dirty mm. and submitted that. So at least I got something, uh, you know, you I, was gonna, I got in, something yeah. in, um, but for that year was, wasn't good enough. Yeah. Which I'm not too worried about because yeah. that was one of, the, one, one of the things I love about LCA, uh, yeah. especially being involved from the beginning, yeah. is just seeing how 
good that the films have been getting year after year. Like mm. it just continually improves. Mm. Um, and I think Marissa's got to be given a lot of credit for her contribution to actually improving the state of filmmaking in Canberra. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, I think um, we had Marissa in um, last year in the on one of our episodes and we, we talked about how it has got much more challenging and that's probably the best thing yeah. for Canberra and for the festival. Um, and and the, the fact is, is that, you know, it's much more about storytelling than simply just trying to get the items together in a scavenger's yeah, exactly. done. It's, it's much more about, you know, telling a great film now. So, yeah, no, that's right. But, I mean, your films are for Lights, Camera, Action were iconic. Like, it's, oh, it, I think Brotherhood of the Y uh, yeah. has continued to be my favourite and, and, and something that I enjoyed seeing every year when, it, when, when, you, know, when you made them. Um, how many of those did you end up? It was only a trilogy. It was only a trilogy, um, and then it sort of morphed. The, the the base concept sort of morphed into the Cthulhu Williams one. Yep. Um, from a couple of years ago, and then that was going to follow up with another sequel, with 2018. Yeah. And then we were talking about possibly having a crossover event, between <laughs> <laughs> the Brotherhood of the Y and Cthulhu Williams. What what would you say out of all your films for Lights Camera Action? was your favourite? What what one still holds great memories for you from the production and I guess from its as a finished product? Um, that would still be Brotherhood of the Y2, the, the one that actually that I actually managed to win yeah. um, with. Um, I was really happy with the way it turned out, with the reception it got. It nearly killed me. For the 10 days of the competition, I literally did 16-hour days for 10 days straight. Yeah, uh, and I remember handing the film in at the end, and Marissa just looked at me and goes, "You look really tired." <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, "No kidding," but it paid off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that and, and that that's the one where you destroy Telstra Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, the first one to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, you, you, but yeah, and we had Will fighting skeletons. And we yeah. had Soren in it, who's you know who's you know down in Melbourne these days acting. So. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a good one. I really enjoyed that one. I also remember you you helped out another filmmaker and you played uh, Doc. <laughs> yeah, Doc Brown, which I I will always remember. That was yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was and it was one of those other ones where like I, I had my own film to do. Yeah, and um, the guys asked me if I'd play Doc for Back to the Capital. Yeah, and I said yeah, sure, why not? And Oh, that, it was the year. That's right. It was the year of the first um, Brotherhood of the Y film. Yes. And when we were shooting that, when I was shooting that with Lee in Dallas, I got horrendously sunburned on my forehead. And oh. uh, I looked like a bloody Klingon. By the time we shot back to the capital, it was like my, my skin was starting to peel. <laughs> and so we just tried to cover it up as best we could with the with the makeup. And, <laughs> and I had to. I'm not sure if half that. Me through the shit. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if half that performance was due to, you know, the, the residual sunstroke I was still suffering. <laughs> As a result of Lights, Camera, Action, um, uh, I guess that's how uh, our filmmaking relationship kind of grew because there was, um, a, a, I guess, a group of filmmakers in Canberra who said, let's try and make feature films yeah. happen. It was very early days in Canberra's uh, tr- trying, trying to create some sort of industry that is not just the corporate industry or the, um, the uh, I guess, um, marketing and advertising. It was a, an attempt to be, well, I guess you could say, our own sort of Hollywood, but 
we were never close in all honesty yeah. no and no. we're still not close but the the, the, the dream was there and and um you came to the group with uh, uh, a, a little script called Fear yeah, of the Dead, dead. Um, and somehow it turned into this big thing the, yeah. that we did. I, I honestly think, yeah, it it got a bit bigger than I anticipated. Yeah. Um, I, but the, the whole point of, of um, Theatre of the Dead originally was meant to be to kick things off mm. um, and from that try to you know try to get the ball rolling which unfortunately we sort of stalled after that but mm. you know other people eventually um, picked up the ball but I think for that element of it mm. I, I think it, it succeeded in that it got people introduced to each other it got some people uh, into um, discovering skills that they didn't realize they had and their skills that they went on to develop. So it it worked as a, a gestation point, even if the film was a bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I I've I've always had a like I always have something like this, something about the way we went about it, like the experience yeah, I, it, itself. It was, it was very cowboy. Yeah, and but you know, and like I have we rewatched it a few times every now and then just for prosperity and yeah. and. And there is some really cool stuff we tried, and and, yeah. and for us having so little, yeah, oh yeah um, that, that, and, and built on just giving our time to try and make something, it, it we we did well. We yeah, did. We, we crammed a lot into sixteen days. 17, yeah, sixteen, yeah. seventeen days of filming, um, which which I still think is crazy on how oh, it actually yeah. happened. I mean, it's actually you know working on projects now. I would love to be able to gra- get a group of people that committed to stay and. St- take off work and, and just exist for 16 and days. that was one of the things I loved at the end of production on Theatre of the Dead. I think if we'd asked people to go for another week, they there would was have. that much enthusiasm yeah. behind it that they probably would have stayed, or most yeah. of them anyway. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess one of the things I, I always sort of um, wish is that, you know, we could have found ways to keep movement going on what we were trying to achieve. Yeah. But... There is also the element there that it wasn't a sustainable thing. I, yeah, the, 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 I think the problem was like you and I and a couple of other people invested ourselves in Theatre of the Dead and it turned out that I think probably we were the main, the more motivated people in the group. Mm. So while we were distracted by Theatre of the Dead, there was nobody else who had the motivation to do to the next step. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is a shame. And I mean, where, where things are at now and, and with, with the establishment of Film Plus and uh, with Screen Canberra, you know, facilitating some funds in some way, and those funds are not super accessible and they're not just available to everyone, um, there, is, there is some remnants of what we tried to do back in 2010, 10, 11, 10 years ago almost. Um, it's sort of... It kind of exists in the way of what Film Plus is. Um, perhaps Film Plus is now what maybe it should have been. But well, yeah, but uh, but that's the thing. That that first iteration, everybody was still learning. Yeah, and I think what we've got happening now with Film Plus and uh, and other stuff is the culmination of that. That the people who started learning back then yeah. have developed their skills, like you, with you know, actually producing several films now. Mm. Um, continuing on and learning from each project you've done. Yeah. So that I don't think Film Plus as it is now could have existed back then. I agree. I agree. It's um, 
it's good. It's what what I what I always will say and will be you know will be the the in my biography is that you know one day when I'm famous enough to have one and Russell finishes writing it, um, is or starts or starts um, is is that even though there will always be disappointments and even to a point of slight humiliation when it came to Day of the Dead and, you know, when we tried to take it to an international place yeah. and people laughed at it as if it, well, what, we, what do you want us to do with this? And, you know, and I'm like, but it's cool. It's fun. Like, yeah, but so is the other millions of other zombie films yeah, out there. I, I, that's the thing. I think, yeah, I think we also just sort of missed the boat. A bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will always say that it was the thing that started off. It was the thing that created, I, I learned so much and the people that, I met during that. I still communicate and talk yeah. with and share with, and it's a big part of what building a community is about. And I think that's perhaps the most important thing. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's um, it is something I'm always will proud. And as those who visit Sanguinetti Media Office, Sanguinetti's office, there is um, the poster up on the wall. There cool. is a photo that was. Um, I don't think you saw it when you walked in. Um, there is a photo that was on display at the National Film and Sonar Archives oh, yeah, at one I've stage. Oh, yeah, i those at home. Yeah, and uh, that's up on the wall, and it will be, you know, be what it is. It's part of our history and a part of our story and something yeah. that I know I'll always be proud of. And Yeah, it's, um, yeah it, it may not have succeeded as much as we would have wanted to succeed, mm. but I think for the practical reason that it was done in the first place, I think it was a success. So... Yeah, I might just quickly add on to the bit about in Khan because did I ever tell you what happened in Khan, like with 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 Miguel and I was sort of following. I, I know um, you tried to give it to um, to um, Troma or something. Oh yeah, well, Troma, no, Troma were lovely about it. They just said they yeah. weren't interested. Um, but no, because so we we went to Khan in oh, I can't even remember the year now. Um, but we took Fear of the Dead with us to try and get some sort of international distribution of some sort. Yeah. And when we started showing the film, the first thing everyone said was, that girl on the front of the poster is amazing. We want to see this. And so, and like Emma Gleeson, who played our lead, she, she re and, and it also was the photography of Robert Copper, I think yeah. really I, sold the project to a lot of people on initial, like judging the book by the cover. You know, they yeah, look at it yeah, and go, oh, that, that poster of Emma and the, the, the big close-up of Steve's face. Yeah, everyone was like, yeah, that's cool. That's really amazing. And so, um, but then they watched the trailer and we, we were reminded how small Australia really is as a filmmaking place um there is such a diverse world out there in filmmaking and and for us to think that you know people would just instantly go yeah it's great because it's a piece of content it wasn't as simple as that they wanted to know if we had a pna um uh budget which is prints and advertising they wanted to know if we've got um travel mark uh, they want to know if we had a travel budget for all our cast to travel to festivals and films. They want to know if we had a festival budget. And as soon as we started asking these questions and we were like, uh, no, but got the film. We, we got the film and we can get it to you. And we like, if we, if you say yes, we can get that money. Like that's no problem. And that's when they kind of like looked at us and smiled and patted us on our head and <laughs> said, well, well, it's well done for making a film. Yeah. And you know, and you know, they watched the film. I know they watched the film because the, the little ticker on the Vimeo went up and, you know, it, it, it existed and they watched it, but unfortunately we just, we couldn't get a, yeah. a deal sign, which uh, was just disappointing. And 
sad and 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 that's another thing it it was uh, you know for you a learning experience of you, it's not just getting the film made that's right um, where it ends yeah. it, there's a lot that goes on beyond that point yeah um, which you've got more of a handle on now yeah well i mean what i'd learnt from Theo the Dead's uh, experience taking it to an international market, uh, we got it right in some degree when it came to mates. me and my mates' first zombie apocalypse because we thought about marketing way before and we had some money. Not much, mind you. We didn't learn that well. Not yet. <laughs> but we, we were getting there. And it's funny because this podcast is part of the the marketing of what we're trying to do for the next film. So it's kind of, this is this is a result of learning. Um, but yeah, the opportunity to to um, to go to Cannes, learn about the film's uh, potential market was definitely eye-opening and, and I'm grateful for that experience. And, you know, and, and you know what? Theatre of the Dead can be watched. Yeah. It's available online. It's been pirated, so somebody pirated it put it up somewhere i don't like i it exists it's there it's out there yeah um and you know and if you want to you want to watch it surely it's pretty easy to find it's actually been a little while since you've made a film it has is that a, is there a reason has have have i caused you to hate filmmaking is this my no, fault no it's not your fault entirely <laughs> entirely okay yeah uh, no it, it it is there there has been a bit of a bit of burnout um the 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 simple fact is i'm looking at the films that are coming through these days yeah and as a director i honestly have to be you know self-aware that i'm not up to the same par as these kids who who who, you know starting to make stuff now i did was fortunate enough um to you know come across the the niche of being a first ad yeah um that that you know i'm well i think i'm Quite good at you. You are one um, of the, the best. To but be after, honest, after, yeah. But after doing mates and um, locks of love and a couple of other shorts as first AD, I sort of came to the realization I'm good at it. But it's a young guy's game. Mm. Being a first AD, there's a lot of stress and pressure in, in yeah. that role. Um, so, so I decided to just step back a bit. I have tried to keep up with um, LCA, but not due to filmmaking things, but work things. Yeah. Um, they moved the dates of LCA a fair few years back. And then at work, they moved the Senate Estimates Committees, which for me is a time when I can't get any time off. I'm working 14 hours a day yeah. um, to the week. Like they've co- for the past few years, they've actually coincided. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I just, you know, obviously couldn't take the week off. Yeah. Do you think that's... Kind of conspiracy theory, like he's, he's possibly he's been here twenty three times. Although, We've got to like yeah. move things so we can't. Possibly, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens going forward. They they they, they um, moved it for. Um, actually, I probably can't say anything because it's in the future. Can't talk about next year. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, I was going to say that they've actually moved the dates for next year of um, estimates, right? So they don't coincide, but. I'm doing the rock musical Tommy. Oh, okay. At the time that LCA's on. Oh, okay. The Who Trumps. Yeah. Yep. Also, I'm, I've you know I've been looking at the same sort of thing you guys have in podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to formulate ideas for a fictional podcast, uh, sort of along the lines of a serial, mm-hmm. uh, but with a, a supernatural 
uh, tinge to it. There's a, there are a couple of similar ones out there, like Lime Town. It, so I'm not breaking new ground, but yeah. I've got an idea that I think might work. I've just got to. Is, is that by any chance? And I know we're wrapping up, but is that by any chance related to your book series that you released? Because you, no. it's a self-published, yeah, self-published series of books. Yeah, they're, the books aren't fiction, they're all fact. Yeah. Um, they're basically compilations of newspaper articles on various subjects, um, like Loch Ness Monster, Yowies and Bunyips in Australia, um, a serial killer who was operating in London at the same time as Jack the Ripper that hardly anybody's ever heard of. Yeah. The thing that fascinates me about this guy is that, like, for Jack the Ripper, you've got this massive laundry list of... Um, of suspects, this guy, they never had a single suspect. He was leaving, bot li literally leaving body parts lying around the streets of London. Okay. Um, yeah. And he was just overshadowed by Jack the Ripper because Jack the Ripper had very violent things happening. So it was like the same time? At the same, yeah. The, um, a couple of his murders coincided with Ripper murders, so they had to differentiate the MOs. They didn't think it was the same person? No. The, the, the MO was very different. Like, as I said, this guy was chopping up bodies and leaving the parts. Like, one of the one one of the main torso parts of a body he left in the basement of a construction site, and that construction site was the new um, headquarters for Scotland Yard. So this guy had balls. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So that, but so yeah. So basically, I've, I've just been looking for things that interest me, and it becomes a case of it's I want to do the deep dive research for my own enjoyment. Yeah. And so I ended up figuring, while I'm at it, I'm collecting all these articles and stuff, I might as well compile them and... Into books. Put them out. And yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just sort of, you know, earn me a, you know, about 30 or 40 bucks a, a month. So. Oh, that's better than... Yeah. And, well, and well, we don't make any the, money the, from the other, Yeah, the other thing is, because I put them out there on Kindle and um, as print-on-demand through Amazon, uh, you know, I know that there's a few hundred books out there on people's shelves with my name on them, which is, yeah. you know, a nice feeling. That's really cool. Dream, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I just remembered, I forgot about your books, I... They're really cool. But so, okay, so obviously not related. So the podcast is something a little bit different. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, it still deals with the, you know, the, the weird shit that, mm. uh, that, you know, is my forte. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not inspired by the books. Mm -hmm. Do you have a name for the podcast yet? Or is that still in, still in development? The Rabbit Hole Tapestry oh. is the working title. Okay. Okay. A massive thank you to Pat for sitting down with us on this episode. If you want to learn more about Pat's books, head on over to Facebook and search for Patrick J. Gallagher. You can also learn more about Pat's work as a photographer on Facebook by searching Pat Topia Photography. And don't forget, you can support this podcast on Patreon by subscribing for just $1 a month. Your patronage gets you access to new episodes early, plus extra exclusive content only available to Patreon supporters. Hit us up at patreon.com forward slash Media. You've been listening to Film Rhapsody. Film Rhapsody is produced by Russell Lee and Dan Sanguinetti for Sanguinetti Media. Find our home at sanguinettimedia.com.au.